Hello and welcome to another episode of The Long Finish. I am your host, Tug Coker, and I'm here, as always, with my wife and co-host, Catherine Weil Coker. How are you doing tonight, Catherine? I'm great. How are you? I'm pretty good. We've had a week, huh? It has been a full busy week, full of lots of lots of events. Lots to get into here on our end. I don't want to bury the lead. First and foremost, we're celebrating keeping a kid alive for one year. We have a three-year-old and now a one-year-old boy, and it's been so hard. It's been a year. Yeah, it's been a I'm year. I'm so proud of us that we did it. We really did do it. Um, lots to get into. Um, we'll talk about the birthday. Your parents have been in town, so uh, lots of boozing on my end with your dad, which has been great. But uh, first of all, thank you to everyone for listening and joining us for episode eight of The Long Finish. We're really excited about tonight. We're going to delve into the first of probably a couple holiday wines. We're doing Thanksgiving wines tonight. So before we go into the recap of our one-year-old's birthday party, very small, intimate VIP party. Um, yes, that's exactly how I would have described, described it. it. <laughs> yeah, you should. Very elite. You'd have a wristband to get into this party. But we want to do Thanksgiving wines tonight. We want to talk about things that are pleasing for groups, things that are affordable. We've delved in some, some other lists to see what other people are talking about. But the wine we're drinking tonight... What, Catherine? We are drinking the Folk Machine. Film and Camera is the name of the wine. It's the 2018 Valdegui. That's the grape varietal. It's from Redwood Valley, California. And Folk Machine is a project by Kenny Lekitprakong, who has several projects. He's a former skateboarder, former pro skateboarder turned hobo winemaker and he calls himself a hobo winemaker because he doesn't have a winery and he doesn't have vineyards and he just finds amazing grapes that he wants to work with that he feels like tell the story of a place and make wine that is transparent and transmits that place into a glass and I think this wine is super special. Valdegui is a grape variety you don't hear every day but it's light bodied it's juicy. It's sort of like Gamay. And it's originally from France, but now can't not be found in France. It was only found in the United States. It used to be called Napa Gamay because it is kind of Gamay-like, but it's its own thing. I would put it in the Pinot Noir category. Light body, lots of fruit, not heavy tannin, freshness. Are you loving this as I'm much as it. I am? Yeah, no, I'm just sitting there. I'm, I muted myself just so I could guzzle some of the wine. I'm excited to talk more about this wine. Um, mm, it, it is yummy. Yeah, so it's really, really good. That's my, my that's my quote of the year. Well, the one thing I, <laughs> I, I remember about Folk Machine was when I, I believe it was on the list of Esther's when we opened, or if not initially opening, uh, the buy the bottle list, pretty soon after we opened. And I remember it flew off the shelf because it's so appealing, approachable for so many people. There's a lot of different varieties that he makes underneath this particular label. I feel like they end up being the more off the beaten path varieties, but approachable and affordable. So it's such a fun way to try something new. So yeah, we'll get back into that in a moment. But first of all, we want to recap as we always do. Catherine's doing a little dance, sort of miming bedtime. Yep, that's what we're doing. It's that section of the night. Some, at some point when I'm better at editing the podcast, we'll have a little like a little segment. So if you're out there listening... And you're good at 
garage band or something and you want to make a little um a little segue music like bedtime moment go ahead I'll, I'll delete that don't worry i'll go ahead and edit that out but uh we're talking bedtime bedtime and your ranking is <laughs> we're just grab all this okay um Catherine, tonight what was our performance in putting these two kids to bed i'd say it was probably a nine we excelled tonight. We all did, the four of us. We were just pretty cohesive, I think. What are you doing like a post game <laughs> talk of like are you being interviewed by, you know, someone at CPS about Sometimes I feel that way. I think it was a good night. What can I say? No, there was no. there was no no one got hurt. There was um that sets the bar really high. But no, <laughs> it, it was smooth. You know, there weren't tears, no one was rushed, everybody ate pretty well. You know, my parents have been in town for the last almost week. And so when other people are here during bedtime, it just makes it like a little more hyped up. And so there wasn't any of that kind of distraction tonight. It was just simple and pretty good. Other than the fact, I would say the only point five is the fact that our home looks like trashed currently because we've had family in town and we're just a little chaotic at the moment. Yeah, I mean, there are birthday presents askew. We've got balloons, kind of, yeah, streamers. <laughs> There's like uh, boxes of toys that were half opened. It's just a little. I have a rocking chair that I like to sit in, and um, I tried to rock back, and it's like, and it's just like ten balloons <laughs> stuffed behind the rocking chair. <laughs> streamers and like the cleaning closet like coming out and just dangling it's just well, a little i agree with you it was a good night and i think part of it's because um everyone is exhausted from the the big week from a birthday party lots of sugar the grandparents being in town so i i, I agree i think people are just tired ready for bed as are we but you know what it's date night for us and we're going to um, enjoy ourselves by making this podcast but Catherine, i wanted to ask you before we move back into the wine your thoughts on raising this one-year-old. When you think about our youngest son, what what are the, like, the instant memories that come to your mind? Well, it's been fun the last couple of weeks because he he's really grown into himself over the course of a year, obviously. But he, it's just sort of his personality kind of exploded in the last month. He's become so smiley and giggly and just goofy and fun. And that was in him before, but he was a lot more like shrieky kind of baby. <laughs> but he's just become really fun and cuddly and cute. And so that's so joyful to see him like coming into his own. I agree with you. I feel like it happened almost this week. It's almost like on cue. Like he turned one and he became a different kid. He started doing little hand motions yeah. to try to talk. And I, we don't always know what they mean, but it's he has just la- so He's incredible laugh but his laugh currently is sort of like whoa 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 <laughs> and he does like this like he does like an ooh face ooh, like, ooh, yeah like, he's like an ooh face it's very funny and i'm sure that you know to those of you who have kids have gone to this uh you know moment in time where they kind of went from being babies to like like Catherine said being little humans and i'm excited because as you all know i've been sleeping in multiple different beds and t- even this week i've been sleeping in our oldest son's bed my bed and the couch and but it's not because of the youngest kid the youngest kid is finally you know the sounds in the TV shows when it's like, ah. You got the like winning, winning music. It's like the angel music yeah. or whatever. Kids figuring out how to sleep. And I'm sure by next podcast, he will have forgotten that and regressed. So I'm enjoying this week. Anyway, Catherine, cheers to you and to me on keeping a kid alive for one year. 
Cheers. Cheers. Congratulations. Thank you so much to everyone who uh, on Instagram sent us congratulations uh, and, and, and happy birthday wishes. We're really excited to um, get out of this baby phase and see what's next. But let's get to the wine. A wine that we're recommending for Thanksgiving, this is perfect, right? It's delicious. Everyone's going to be grabbing for it. Like we were talking about, it's a light-bodied wine, but it has kind of darker fruit notes, purpley, like black and purple plum, maybe some blackberry and blueberry, some darker fruit notes, but it's still light on the palate. There's a little tannin, like there's a little bit of structure to it, enough so that it's just not a juice. You know, you feel the full structure of it. And there's enough acid, more of a like a medium acid, so it won't. I don't know. People have varying opinions about acid. Some really love it. Some shy away from it. So this is like kind of in the middle. Just pleasing. I'm definitely one of those that is an acid fan. But let's backtrack for one second and let's talk about what makes a great Thanksgiving wine. When people are out there listening and saying they want to bring some wine to maybe a party or Thanksgiving dinner, what can you recommend as things that you think will be uh, a hit at these Thanksgiving dinners? Well, I think just being in the wine business for a long time and being a Thanksgiving lover for my whole life, the traditional go-tos are Riesling for white wine and red wine is Beaujolais. The Beaujolais Nouveau release is November 21st and it's all always been like stacks of Beaujolais Nouveau in the grocery stores that people like bring home for Thanksgiving. It's just a light fruity red wine and a Riesling is high acid linear pure and sometimes fruity white wine and so yeah they definitely pair with a giant feast. But I think there's tons of other wines that would work. And when I was like reading other people's recommendations on Thanksgiving wine, one thing that a lot of people were saying is have variety. So many wines would pair really well. I think there's only a few things to steer away from, but there's lots of wines to be included. So why is the wine that we're drinking tonight a perfect example of a wine you want to bring to a Thanksgiving dinner? I like this because it's not oaky, A. B, it's light, so it's refreshing. You're in the middle of a giant feast and you're just like, oh, a red wine that's like light and juicy, yum. But this particular wine seems to be great because I think it almost mimics like cranberry sauce kind of. Like it has that, it's not cranberry, but it has that sweet fruit, but it's got that tart little tiny tart factor too and something about the cranberry sauce is the part that's almost like a palate cleanser right you know you have your turkey and gravy and then you have your cranberry sauce your palate cleanser and then you have take a bite of something else and that's just kind of always a reset I think and that that's what the wine can be too can we talk about where the wine is grown yeah, that's really cool. Actually, the Lalonis family has a big farm in Redwood Valley uh, Vineyards. They're third generation and it's organically farmed. And that's where they grow this Valdegui. I mean, there are not tons of places to find it in California, but it's kind of cool to find it from a family farm and love that it's organic. Where on the, uh, the California map is it located or general area? So Redwood Valley yeah. is in Mendocino. Gotcha. That's cool. So and, and then can you talk a little bit about Baudigui. You talk about it being the Napa Gamay. It used to be called yeah. Napa Gamay. Valdigui is kind of obscure. It's not exactly easy to find, but as I said, it originated in France but can't be found in France anymore. It's just found in... Why, why is that? I don't know. Maybe because no one was really producing it. Maybe it's 
still there and just called something else. But any information that I have read about it says pretty much only exists in California. It's similar to Gamay in that it has those really bright fruity notes, but not a lot of tannin. It doesn't have the same fruit characteristics or mushroom and earthy characteristics that a Pinot Noir does, but it has the same kind of body. Maybe a little more tannin, a little more grip than a Pinot Noir. The first one I ever tried was probably 10 years ago, and I maybe have only had two since then. It's really not very common. There are probably only a handful of vineyards producing it, and it might be blended with different things, but I just think there's not much of it around. Would you consider it a, an affordable varietal? Yeah. I mean, you're never going to get like because it seems Pinot hard to... Noir prices on it. The, the obscurity makes it exactly more affordable just because... Well, I, that's actually the opposite of what I thought. Really? I thought the obscurity would make it more expensive because it's harder to get. Well, if the demand was there, then it would make it more expensive. But also, it because it's a little more obscure, there's not like a heavy winemaking that goes into it. It's more about just producing something different and fun. And it, I would guess that it's not as expensive to grow because it isn't in high demand. That's a good point. So I think I know the answer to this, but um, I ask this every week. If you can't find Valdegui at your local wine store... What kind of comp wines would you say about a Guy or this particular wine would be similar to? Well, absolutely Gamay. So you can find Gamay from California. You could find Gamay from Oregon. You're most likely going to find Gamay from France, from Beaujolais or the Loire Valley or other regions, but primarily Beaujolais. And especially this time of year, there's lots of Beaujolais on the shelves and lots of wine shop owners will be talking to you about the merits of Beaujolais with Thanksgiving dinner because it is a bright and fruit forward and lively lighter red that just happens to pair well with turkey. Turkey is a white meat, but the Thanksgiving turkey can be smothered in gravy and can be a little on the richer side. You want like a refreshing, juicy red wine to go with that. Nothing too heavy. That's great. So we know that Valdi goes well with turkey. The, is there anything else you would pair um, with Valdi outside of Thanksgiving? Definitely. This is kind of a fun, funky, light red wine that I would pair with. You know, it's so funny. I was just trying to think of the word, but it's like hot wings. Like, <laughs> um, But not Nashville hot chicken sandwiches, but hot wings. I don't know why like, I was thinking hot wings. I think wings. everyone should go to BW3 or Wow Wings. Which, yeah, excuse me. Can we get six wings with some ranch and a bottle of Valdegui, please? And two Miller Lights. <laughs> I didn't know why I was thinking that. Uh, but, like, it's so versatile. I could, like, fully enjoy this with a ham sandwich, to be honest with you. Roast chicken would be great. Like, lentil soup would be awesome. Kind of like a hearty soup for Just so fall. you know, I think you've recommended lentil soup. <laughs> With every wine that we've had on the podcast. Maybe lentil soup it is like the is perfect pairing food. Or is this something things. you want to eat? <laughs> girl like loves lentil soup or bean stew. If she hasn't recommended a lentil soup or a bean stew in the podcast, then the podcast doesn't exist. You know what? It's just what I want to be eating. Bean stew. <laughs> Oh, help us. You know what? It's great. This this is a great pork wine, too. I feel like roasted pork 
either we we often eat roasted pork like in tacos or something but just uh roasted pork loin it's a real white meat yeah uh, a white meat red red wine wine. yeah exactly chicken turkey pork yep Yep, yep, yep. So there you go. Think about that. We've seen Folk Machine out in the world, so hopefully it's some it's a it's a wine that you can get outside of just California. You can see it maybe in New York or some other metropolitan areas, DC hopefully. So check out Folk Machine. There's a bunch of varietals that they work with, including this Valdegui. So we wanted to be a, a sort of an aggregate for some other articles for Thanksgiving that you're seeing out there, including Oprah Winfrey has an article on Thanksgiving wines. Eric Asimov in the New York Times has some thoughts on Thanksgiving wines. And you kind of comb through their ideas as well to bring to our listeners some great ideas for Thanksgiving wines. What do you got? I had a lot of fun doing that because, of course, I always think of my own pairings and what I recommend to people in the shop. But it's great to get an idea of what other experts are recommending. And first, I'll just... There are quotation marks. (laughs) Yeah. And there, I saw those. <laughs> I, well, some uh, of air the, quotations. Some of these people are really thoughtful and really smart in what they do. And some of the articles I read, I felt like was more, oh, this is about marketing. And so, if you are looking out there on the web for recommendations, just kind of like be aware of what you're reading. Are you reading someone who's really passionate about a wine and has a perspective on it, or are you reading someone who's just trying to sell something? It's a good thing to keep in mind. So you've gone ahead and looked through some of the wines that they've written about and you want to give your endorsement on a couple of those. Absolutely. And I want to just sort of recap what everyone's saying, which I think is really, really good advice. The first thing is have a lot of variety, have a lot of different bottles. That's what's fun. That's what people like to go to. Having a lot of different white wines, a lot of different red wines, maybe a few rosés, maybe a few sparklers. What to stay away from? Nothing too tannic, nothing too oaky, nothing too sweet, nothing too alcoholic. That means probably stay away from your heavy Cabernet Sauvignons, stay away from oaky Chardonnays, stay away from sweet wines, stay away from big, big wines. What to go for? A lot of variety, things that are pleasing, and just don't go too expensive. I mean, pretty much everyone across the board is like, you really don't need to spend more than $25 on a bottle of wine. I would probably say, you could definitely go up to 50. But don't open that special bottle from your cellar on Thanksgiving. No one's going to remember it. They remember all the different foods they brought. They remember the company, the moment. People are not focused on that wine. Plus, you might only get a little bit of that wine that you've been saving in your cellar. What a bummer. Just like bring a lot of different things. It's about pairing with the food and it's a lot about pleasing people with a lot of different palates. The other thing is there are a lot of different wines that you could bring and have a lot of fun with it. So one recommendation that I love from Eric Asimov was the, the New York Times. He is the New York Times. And and you can look at not just this year, but you could look at like every year he's written about Thanksgiving. So it's so fun to look at all the different wines he's recommended over time. But he recommends the Chirassin is the name of the producer. And it's from the Finger Lakes. The grape variety is Blau Frankish and it's Rosé 2018. And uh, the winemaker is Thomas from the Nomad in New York. He's a wine director there. And this is such a kind of like juicy, slightly earthy, pungent, deeper color rosé that's great for food pairing. It's so interesting. It's fun to drink a rosé from the Finger Lakes and made by an awesome psalm in New York City. I really like that wine and 
I think that's a fun pairing. And you also like the idea of rosés in general for Thanksgiving. They're food wines. They're refreshing. They go with proteins. They go with vegetables. They're versatile. Yeah, I think they're great. One thing that Eric Asimov does say in the article is like maybe stay away from those like overproduced Provencal rosés that tend to be just light and have nothing to them and sort of drop off. So this is not the time to buy the most popular rosé on the shelf. This is time to buy the rosé that is meant for food and go ahead and look at our history of the podcast we've done a couple rosés on the podcast so go through and look up what we've been drinking um those have all been vetted and approved for thanksgiving so have a look at those absolutely and so then i had a lot of fun actually looking at oprah's list which was surprising to me but she had a great really versatile list oprah never lets you down she has never let me down she's never she never lets you down she had a lot of fun wines including you will not believe this the wine that we're drinking tonight amazing yeah the folk machine valdegate but she she also had one wine that I love from Spain, which is the Descendientes de J. Palacio Petalos del Bierzo, which is Mencia is the grape variety. Again, a lighter bodied red wine, sort of in the gamay world. Spanish. It has like a deep earthiness and minerality to it, a core of fruit, but still lively and fresh, not too heavy. And it's fun to have a Spanish wine at the table something different. Um, I read Town and Country, Food and Wine, Bon Appetit, Wine Folly, which is an awesome wine blog that I love, written by Madeline Pluckett. She also wrote a book. She's got great recommendations. I read Real Simple, Vine Pair, which is an awesome podcast and website about beverages. There were a lot of white wine recommendations, but I really love my own white wine recommendation. Which is? I chose it for my wine club this month, which the wine club at Esther's is all based on Thanksgiving wines this month. And the white wine is the Brooks Amicus white wine from Willamette Valley in Oregon. And Brooks is a really small winery. They're organic. They're practicing biodynamic. This is a really aromatic white wine. It's a blend of Pinot Blanc, Riesling, Muscat, Pinot Gris, Gewürztraminer, and it's floral and fruity and zippy. It's got like a tart citrus thing to it and slightly oily. They're a beautiful little winery and this wine just kind of sings for Thanksgiving. So there's a lot of options out there. These are three of that I plucked from other people and from myself. But the point is have a lot of variety and don't break the bank on Thanksgiving and have fun with it. And you bring up something I'm very proud of, which is your wine club. So you mentioned the white wine, but we're also having the red wine the wine, club, wine right? the wine that we're drinking tonight is the red wine that's offered in our Savvy Sipper. So our wine club has three levels, Savvy Sipper, Adventurer, and Collector. Those are the three levels of the Esther's Wine Club. And every month, members get two wines. And this month, with being uh, the Thanksgiving pairing wines, they have the white wine I mentioned, the red wine we're drinking tonight. And with the Adventurer, that's a fun wine too, which is a wine from Virginia. It's a Cabernet Franc made by Lightwell Survey. Also another great Thanksgiving wine that you can get at Esther's as well. It's fun to have, I think, for Thanksgiving, wines from all over the United States. That's just sort of festive. And, and Lightwell Survey, you know, is amazing. And uh, a lot of the listeners, because I'm from Virginia, are also from Virginia. And it's pretty awesome to be selling a wine of that kind of quality from Virginia at Esther's. It is. There's not a lot of natural wines from Virginia or wines that are made just kind of like 
small um, guys making wine that don't have a winery, don't have vineyards. That's kind of cool. Yeah, so if you're in the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area, check out Lightwill Survey for the Cab Franc. I think they have some other varietals as well. They have a Blanc Frankish Rosé, and then they have a great Riesling and Petit Monsang white blend. That's good. Get your hands on some great wine from Virginia. It's very exciting. So now, And now you've added yourself to the air quote experts uh, out there for Thanksgiving wine. You've got Eric Asimov. Food and Wine, of course, Oprah, and now Catherine Weil-Coker. So check out those recommendations. You can get some of those at Esther's. Hopefully you can find them at some local wine stores near you. Um, I love Thanksgiving. Do you love Thanksgiving? Yes. I mean... Where, where does it rank in your holidays? Uh, it's pretty up there. I'd say top three. Top three? How about you? Well, for me, it's definitely up there as a 1A, if not number one, because for those those of you who know me, I'm a Dallas Cowboys football Uh, fan. Yeah. Always comes back to sports. That's right. It comes back to sports, and I'm a Cowboys fan, and they play every year on Thanksgiving Day. So people get mad at me because they want to come in and eat dinner. I'm like, I can't come in because I'm, I'm watching the game. So Thanksgiving is a big deal for me because played a mini turkey bowls back in Fredericksburg, VA. I watch the Cowboys every year, usually not win. A lot of you know, bad memories. Leon Lett kicking the ball. Anyway, I digress. It's a great holiday. All right, now is the portion of the evening where we talk about uh, what's inspired us this week. I'll go ahead and go first because I'm going to talk about the podcast that inspired this segment of the show. It's called Script Notes, and it's a podcast about screenwriting and things that are interesting to screenwriters. It's uh, hosted by John August, who wrote many things, including Big Fish and the movie Go back in the 90s, and Craig Mazin, who recently, or who wrote The Hangover, I believe, part two, but also recently um, wrote and oversaw Chernobyl. Two Great guys in the Hollywood industry. I learn a lot from this podcast. If you, any of you out there are aspiring writers or writers in general who have not heard of this uh, podcast, you've got to go to it. It's a great way to stay in touch with the Hollywood business. And I listen to it almost every week. But each week, they talk about what uh, they call it one cool thing. They talk about a cool thing that's going on or oh, in their I life. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And uh, John August is from Boulder, just like yourself. And so it inspired me to look outside of just my daily life, my family, and what I'm working on and say, what, what's inspiring me right now? So shout out to John August and Craig Mazin and Script Notes. And if you're interested at all in the Hollywood industry or writing, I hope you'll check out their podcast. Catherine. Well, my inspiration comes this week very much related to our son's birthday. If you know us very well, you may know this story. If you don't know us very well, here you are. Our second son came very, very fast. It was at 2 o'clock in the afternoon that we were sitting here trying to figure out what we were going to do. An hour later, I was in labor. An hour after that, we were en route to the hospital and my water broke in the car. We got to the hospital. I got in a wheelchair, screaming down the hall. His head came out in the wheelchair and we arrived in the room just in time for me to stand up and the baby fell out. (laughs) I can't believe we're telling this story right now. It was a dramatic... dramatic beginning. So I have watched the video of that. Yes, there is a video that Tug took. Very helpful. You know, I was so helpful that I just stood in the corner and, and videotaped. There is the some bird. coaching going on. Like, there is. good job, babe. Are we going to put this on Instagram? Uh, no. <laughs> 
so I, of course I would never have allowed a video if he had asked me before I would have said uh no you will never take a video of this but he didn't ask me and then he took it and now it's just something really precious to me because it marks this really special moment and of course I was watching that a few times this week and was inspired by all of the amazing people that I didn't know that were helping in that moment. And I keep thinking about that because those women, those nurses, obviously our doctor was not there. Those nurses did not know my name. They found out after, but they do that every day, multiple times a day. These incredibly, I don't know. I mean, for me, obviously it felt like a heroic act, but it's also just a daily human thing. And they're there every day seeing that and making that happen. The nurses at UCLA Santa Monica were incredible to me. I will always think so fondly of that. I think that labor and delivery nurses are just remarkable beings. And I have been lucky to have some really special ones. Larissa, if you're out there listening to this, thank you. I'm quite positive Larissa is listening to this, this show. She was there for the birth of both of our children. She was. Just happened to be. You know, I didn't know you were going to go there with this story. It's, it's a pretty incredible story. We live not too far, maybe two miles from UCLA, Santa Monica. And I remember I, I took a picture of Catherine um, at our house around 323 that day. And at 417, our son was born. Crazy. I mean, I remember driving down 14th Street, honking my horn like a lunatic, passing people and like waving like, you know, apologetically, like, you know, who knows what the message is. But I'm like, sorry, I'm trying to keep my wife alive. And then we get there, we park the car. It's, like a, it's out of a movie. I'm like putting, you know, you're in a wheelchair. I'm running you through the, the hospital with the wheelchair. I'm screaming. Screaming. Uh, make it up there. And then you just see like the nurse like having a regular conversation. Like it's like out of ER where there's, she's just having a regular conversation. And you see like us running and yelling. And she just drops everything and then runs in. And like clockwork, everyone comes in. There's like 12 nurses all over the place helping. And like Catherine said, the baby arrives. And they say, you know, you're, everyone's healthy. Baby's healthy. You're healthy. What's your name? And who's your doctor? We need to call your doctor and let you know that you've had a baby. So pretty amazing story for our son to take forever. And uh, it's a fun fun week to reflect on that. And now <laughs> I didn't know we'd go there with that story, but now it's out there and, and we're and we're happy to uh, and happy to share that with the world. So the nurses are amazing. Our first son was in the NICU for about four days. They were incredible. Shout out to nurses, just angels on earth. Amazing. All right, there you go. Episode eight is in the books. Thank you to everyone for continuing to listen to our show. And if you have the opportunity to go rate, review, and subscribe to our show, it would be so helpful for us because it brings visibility to our show. We want to invite more people to listen to our show so they can find wine approachable and fun and just have a great time. Catherine, where can they find you on social media? You can find me on Instagram at Catherine Weil Coker, or you can find me on Facebook, Catherine Weil Coker. Where can they find The Long Finish? You can find The Long Finish on Instagram at The Long Finish or on Facebook, The Long Finish. You can also find it on Twitter at TLFpod or go to thelongfinish.com. If you have any questions about wine or thoughts about esters or anything else, be sure to just email us at The Long Finish or DM us on Instagram. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Tug Coker. Guys and gals, we did it. Thank you so much. I think next episode we're going to do Beaujolais Nouveau. Mm -hmm. I'm excited to delve into that phenomenon. So stay tuned for that. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week. And until then, happy drinking. Ciao.